And if you've spent any time in Newfoundland, you know that, uh, you know, music is a huge part of the social fabric here. For the most part, Newfoundlanders think that, well, given a trouble, given the problem, eventually, somehow, we can put the arguments down and put the shoulder to the wheel and uh, get through it together. I think it's more the passion and the love and the belief that we express through singing these songs that brings the people to the music. In this episode, we have a fantastic lineup for you as we learn about the integral relationship between music and place. We have three musicians joining us today who are professional storytellers. We asked them to share some stories about traditional Newfoundland folk music to highlight the importance of music in the preservation of cultural heritage. Our co-host today is Sarah Langer, a PhD student at Grenfell Campus at Memorial University studying transdisciplinary sustainability. She's taken a lead on this episode and really helped to connect us to the guests you'll hear from today. Thanks, Sandra, for inviting me to co-host with you. My research is in ecological economics, which is a transdisciplinary field that challenges our current economic system. It's about bottom-up sustainability transformation that is bolstered by partnerships with researchers and institutes. What I want to know is how the arts can be a medium for knowledge transfer between communities and academia to co-create real solutions for triple sustainability, meaning socially, economically, and ecologically. I've truly enjoyed being able to sit back, relax, and listen to the stories of our three guests today, Jim Payne, Fergus O'Byrne, and Daryl Power. What better way to hear about growing up in Newfoundland and the history of the people and their livelihoods than through music? First, let's talk to Jim and Fergus, a duo that is keeping crowds learning about Newfoundland history and culture through the songs they sing. And if you're lucky, Jim will teach you how to jig. Come all you jolly fellows, come listen to me song. It's all about the lumber boys and how they get along. A crowd of jolly good fellows as ever you may find. It's how they spend their winter months in hurling down the pine. Snap, crack, goes me whip, I whistle and I sing. I jumps up on me double sled so happy as a king. Me horse is always ready and I am never sad. There's no one here so happy as a double sledder lad. Uh, well, my name is Jim Payne. I'm uh, from the western side of Notre Dame Bay here on the island of Newfoundland. And uh, you really, I, I don't ever remember a time when music wasn't a huge part of, of life. When I was growing up, I come from a family of uh, traditional singers. And I was certainly uh, steeped in all kinds of uh, traditional music growing up, both uh, songs and instrumental music. But certainly in our house, the uh, primary songs were king. And, uh, you know, I've been singing since I was talking, learned songs from my father, from my grandmother, from other people in the community. My father was a fairly uh, sort of gregarious sort. So when he was home, um, you know, on weekends, there was usually a bunch of people gathered in our house and uh, music was really what it was all about. Jim has his own record label called Sing Song Inc. and has released over 50 titles. Jim also plays a range of instruments, including guitar, accordion, mandolin, tin whistle, and violin. Jim is a world-class musician, bringing Newfoundland folk music to the world stage. Here, 
he showcased how his music is helping keep local traditions and culture alive. You'll often see Jim playing with Fergus O'Byrne, who we also had the pleasure of speaking with. I guess you could say I'm a product of the folk revolution, I call it, back in the 60s. I'm from, uh, from Ireland originally, from Dublin, and uh, music all my life, of course. I, I don't come from a, a distinctly traditional family as such, but my father was a lover of all music, both, uh, you know, both classical and folk. And, and when I was in my mid-teens, I was involved playing piano when I was a kid. But when I was in my mid-teens, I, I kind of latched on to American folk music, like Bob Dylan, John Baez, and then the Clancy Brothers came along. And that whole Irish scene, well, the whole folk movement exploded, really, right through England, Ireland and North America. And uh, I just sort of really identified with all the music that was there. And in particular, the stories that the music was telling. And uh, when I came to North America, when I moved to Toronto and eventually Newfoundland, that just continued. And I, by that time, I was a professional musician. And it just was an extension of what my passion was, singing songs and telling, you know, singing traditional songs. I don't write my own songs but singing traditional songs to tell stories and just tell the history of of people both from newfoundland and from ireland and the british isles where i where i where i grew up fergus is originally from dublin ireland he created ryan's fancy an irish folk band which also toured all over north america and europe and has been featured on numerous cbc productions he's produced 14 albums and received provincial awards for his work teaching music in public schools across the province. These days, you can find Fergus performing a combination of traditional Newfoundland and Irish folk music, a unique style that has led him to collaborate with many other musicians, including the famous East Coast band Great Big C. Which is a great segue to our third guest, Daryl Power. This talented musician has had an impressive and diverse career. Everything from being a Canadian folk rock musician, songwriter, music and film producer, as well as previously hosting Sunny Drive, a local news broadcast on VOCM in St. John's. Daryl was a member of Great Big C, a well-known band that had 11 albums go gold and four go platinum. Today, Daryl teaches English at a high school in St. John's and clearly still carries his love for music with him today. My name is uh, Daryl Power. I enjoy uh, short walks on the beach. No, sorry. I am 53 years old. I've been a musician almost my entire life. Uh, I was born in Outer Cove, Newfoundland. There were lots of music in my family and uh, had some great schooling through music and some great music teachers and uh, just fell into a rock and roll band scene. Throughout this episode, we hear about our guests' relationship with traditional folk music and what it means to them and how it's influenced their musical careers. All three share stories from their childhood, growing up in an era draped in culture, heritage, and music. So my first experiences of hearing traditional music was being brought in by your dad to a, a pub to uh, sit down to watch something or sit with your mom on a Sunday afternoon to watch your dad perform. So it was something I want to do. Combine that with, you know, your first episode of seeing the Carlton Show Band. Yes, that's right. The Carlton Show Band. What is that? It's a show that occurs at Arts and Culture that is just poof, 
amazing, larger than life as a kid, and that had a huge impact on me. The Wonderful Grand Band, the first time I saw the Wonderful Grand Band, and uh, everybody in the province was looking at this place. What is it that makes this place different? And uh, it was really, you know, we were growing up in a time I think where a lot of the artists were doing that work for us. They were letting us know exactly just who we were. We were a force to be reckoned with in music and uh, in art and in dance and in theater. And uh, this big galoot of a culture, as it used to be called, you know, that's the, the beauty of it. So I played in the concert crowd, which is a community concert for three or four years. And that's where I really learned a lot of extra traditional uh, Newfoundland and Irish songs and they're still together today the concert crowd and uh, 50 some odd years strong they're still going and uh, then I was a, played in a rock and roll band and a solo artist and then uh, met uh, Bob and Sean from originally Rankin Street Rankin Street got me through university a hundred dollars at a time and got my English education degree a force to be reckoned with artists letting them know exactly who they were Daryl talks about traditional folk music being a source of identity and pride for being a Newfoundlander. It's through music that identity is expressed, and expressing identity leads to inspirations and aspirations, or really just letting the world know who you are. We begin with listening to our guests tell us what they believe is traditional folk music. To my mind, I mean, traditional music is telling a story and relating to what has gone before. When I was going to school, I didn't like history. Uh, the idea of learning history of kings and queens and politics and all that stuff, of what they called important people. And uh, it was only when I really started listening to folk songs and stories and, you know, stories of people going off to war, you know, young men leaving young women behind, leaving their children behind or whatever, going to sea, fishing, Traditional music, it, it tells a story. And then, of course, on the, on the music side of it, the dance and the, the tunes uh, that people, people entertain themselves with dance and, and music. Every culture has it. No matter where you go in the world, people are telling stories about their own culture. Even within Canada, we have many diverse cultures that have shaped what traditional music sounds like in each province. But I'll let Daryl explain this more, or rather, sing it. If you go to Cape Breton, you can go have a chat with the Barras, and they'll say music is the history of uh, Cape Breton. And you'll go to Quebec, and Le Boitin Sorient, the Smiling Boots, will say that their music is the history of Quebec. And, uh, you know, we can go to Ontario and talk about a fly, fly, the little black fly, all with the black fly. Before you go, I'll die with the black fly, dig my bones in North Ontario. If you went to Winnipeg, you'd have to do Neil, right? You'd have to do some Neil. We all have it, you know, the music that makes uh, our place special. I'm the nicest down in a young girl's town, something like that. And then, boy, you go to Alberta, then I don't know. You'd probably have to do a little bit of core blonde. I was going to do some, or at least unless you want to go old Alberta. Now that's uh, I don't know what old Alberta would be. And if I was out in BC, I'd have to do some. It'd have to be some Spirit of the West. So you know, from coast to coast, it's it's. Uh, it really defines not only uh, Outer Cove and not St. John's, but the entire country. We asked Jim what he defines as traditional Newfoundland folk music. So far, we know it tells a story of people, place, and history, and it varies across geographies, even within Canada. It's really a bunch of a collective musical activity that expresses the sort of ethos of the community from which it comes. I got a very early sense of the kind of connection to people in my own family who came before me. 
sometimes I heard the stories about them in song because, you know, people just made up songs about whatever happened to be going on. Sometimes they were just, you know, doggerel, just little bits of tomfoolishness or whatever. And sometimes they were serious songs about, uh, you know, a tragic event that might have happened. Lots of songs about the kind of work that people did, certainly. You know, I've often thought since, like, if the world hadn't changed the way it did with the advent of, you know, much better transportation and communication, if I had lived, say, the rest of my life on that island off the coast of Notre Dame Bay, I would have had everything I would have needed to know in order to be able to survive there. Because it's not just about music, right? I mean, music is just one, one part of it. I mean, it's really a complete lifestyle. It's the kind of information, the things that you learn from, say, your father or your mother or your relatives are about how to fix the hole in the roof or where the best place is to go to pick certain kinds of berries or to go to cut wood or to go fish or whatever. All of these things are contained in the, the body of knowledge that is passed down to you, some of it in songs, some of it in stories, some of it just by following along, observing and doing the things that you, that you see being done. Up jumps the crab with his crooked legs, sing you play the cribbage and I'll stick the peg, sing and blow the wind westerly, let the wind blow, by a gentle nor'wester, how steady she goes. Up jumps a dolphin with his chuckle head, he jumps on the deck saying pull out the lead, sing and blow the wind westerly, let the wind blow, by a gentle nor'wester, how steady she goes. It's a place where a group of people sit in and someone sings the line of a song and then someone else in the room will sing the second line and someone will sing the third line and no one remembers the fourth line and they go ahead and sing the chorus and they put it together that way and then that's what gets out. It's a beautiful thing, the songs that are played today that at one point in this uh, community were uh, hummed as chin music on the bridge by a man or woman in the community who knew all the melodies uh, but didn't have the accordion. Some had a mouth organ but they didn't have that. They had someone going diddly die, diddly die, diddly die do on a bridge to uh, provide the music. And just uh, how that, from just that small, simple little moment of fun that the music helped grow, preserve, and bring it to where we're playing it today, where it's being played. And the finest of instruments and the finest of PAs making the finest of sounds, a far cry from the natural reverb over a bridge. Music is also a tribute to the landscape. Many traditional songs are about surviving the natural elements, again, like the weather, storms at sea, being lost at sea, going away for fishing, and living along the ocean coast. This is the history of Newfoundland, though, embedded in music. Being sung and played today also makes it a tribute to the people that lived before us and who laid the foundations to survive on the rock today. We can't just isolate the musical aspect of these songs because folk music is oral storytelling about where people's roots are. Well, look, if, you, if you've ever seen any movies that have been shot in Newfoundland, no matter how great the story is, the landscape always steals the show. I mean, that's a big part of the place that we live in has had everything to do with the way that people lived here. And even today, you know, we still make decisions based on the weather every single day. So the landscape, the environment that we live in, and we're part of that landscape. I mean, I've always said, like, no matter where we are in the world, if you live by the ocean, you're just as much a part of the ocean environment as the creatures that live in it. 
And that's been very, very true in Newfoundland, given the fact that, you know, for the first three or four hundred years that people were here, I mean, everything depended on the fishery. And even today, you know, you may have people who have never set foot in a boat, maybe never eaten a fish. But if they live in Newfoundland, the ocean and the fishery still makes a big difference to how they can live their lives. The fact that, you know, so many people lived here with next to nothing in terms of financial resources, for example, meant that a sense of community had to develop here in order for people to survive in the first place, to be able to cooperate with one another and to help one another in whatever situation they were in, whatever difficulties they faced. Music expressed all of that, you know, the good times, the bad times and everything in between. Any kind of music doesn't have to be traditional music. People just are musical. They love music. There's music in the language, even when people are having a simple conversation. There's just no getting around it. It's really a much more holistic view of, of the culture. And I, you know, in the songs that I sing, the music that I play, even the, and the songs that I write, especially, because of course, you know, that lifestyle doesn't really exist anymore. Sort of my link to that is important because it was a very big part of what sort of made me who I am and what I am today, really. Jim and Fergus are dedicated to keeping Newfoundland heritage alive through their school program, Art Smarts. Art Smarts is a cultural experience for elementary and high school students. They're passing on traditional Newfoundland culture, heritage, and history to the next generation through teaching traditional Newfoundland folk music. Art Smarts combines music and songs with social studies, marine ecology, and learning the songs their grandparents and great-grandparents would have learned and sang growing up. Art Smarts has been in schools across the province and continues to be a hit with teachers today. Check out our show notes for more information on how you can get Jim and Ferguson to your schools. One of the reasons we like to do the school projects is because we like to be able to pass some of that information along to younger generations who are not growing up the same way we did, who don't have the same exposure to the music, and who also may not, depending on what their home situation is and what they're learning at home about it, Uh, You know, people who may not understand how important the music and other aspects of the traditional lifestyle were to what made us who we are today. Not just us who are playing the music, but also those kids who are in classrooms today. They need to be just as strongly grounded in their own traditions as we were, for example. It's going to make a big difference to them in in later life, I I think, uh, going from my own experience. And you can look around the world and see this in especially sort of smaller cultures everywhere. You know, the more strongly grounded you are in your own culture, the stronger a citizen you're going to be, you know, the better artist you're going to be, the better teacher, because you've got ages of a collective experience behind you to draw on. Jim, Fergus, and Daryl fell in love with music very young and developed a connection with Newfoundland culture that they define now as part of their identity. Art Smarts is about learning where you come from, who you are, and being proud of your heritage as a child so they can grow into their own identity. One of the things we're trying to encourage the the children in school to do is to go home and talk to their parents about the local history, learn more about what's going on in their local area, putting them in touch with the tools that people had to create that music in the first place. The story, I think, that sort of says it all for me, really, and I know Fergus can corroborate this as well when we're out playing somewhere else like a festival or wherever even out of the province now for us sometimes and an adult comes up to us and says oh you know you came into my school when i was in grade five and 
you know, really turned me on to this music and now they're big fans and they're working out in Alberta or Ontario or, you know, wherever it is, sometimes in other parts of the world. That's the kind of thing, I guess, that in some ways keeps us doing it. Neither of us are from Newfoundland, so we asked Daryl about growing up in Outer Cove and what it was like living in a musical community. That was the part of the beauty of the place, you know? We were free down there. We were free to leave the house and, and, and do what we wanted. Everybody's mothers and fathers looked after you, so that part of what uh, made me so love the community so much. I also find some of the older people's really interesting. Even at a young age, I was just enthralled with the characters that were uh, a part of my life. My aunt in particular, she was just a character and house parties at her house could end there could be 45 minutes in the porch you know where just she was just did not want you to leave <laughs> you know songs continued to the porch okay picture a a, a man who has uh, been a police officer his uh, whole life but also has uh, an accordion in the trunk of his car for his whole life so uh, at any given time while off duty could wander into uh, dad's house as he did on many occasions with an accordion and just uh, have a party for two you know, uh, and he was a beast of a player. So uh, I had a lot of really good memories of music as a kid, for sure. You know, a lot of those influences and those ideas and those songs became part of Rankin Street music. And uh, a lot of Rankin Street music formed the basis of Great Big Sea music for a year to come. When I visited Newfoundland, I had the pleasure of seeing Jim and Fergus live at the annual Cowhead Festival. What really stood out to me was the background they would give before each song, where it came from, why it was important to the community, or even how it was connected to them personally. This practice was very new to me. They helped me understand that the practice of setting the context and acknowledging the origins of events and stories before each song really broke down the stereotypes that one might have about life and culture on the rock. It really opened my eyes and ears to an entirely new perception of the people and this place. Hey, putting it into context of telling the story before the story of the song, saying, you know, where the song came from, what it describes, you know, the impact this story had on the local area, it brings people's focus in on then the lyric of the song coming up. That's the important part about it is, to my mind anyway, the assumption out there, and I suppose in the broad population is that our culture, call it our culture, I'm, I'm here in Newfoundland 50 odd years, that it's there and that people know about it, but people really don't know about it. They hear on the radio smatterings of it, but the whole culture thing, the whole story of us is kind of watered down by commercial radio and, you know, me being from Ireland. The prime example is, you know, oh yeah, Irish drinking, you know, and that's not what it's all about. It's, you know, it's way, way deeper than that. And in our own way, myself and Jim are exploring that beyond just that stereotype of both who I am as an Irish person and Jim is as a Newfoundlander. Daryl recalls the Newfoundland stereotype following Great Big Sea in the beginning when they played off the island. They were mocked as goofy newfies. But the thing with stereotypes is that it doesn't define a people. Once we were mocked as the uh, the the newfie or whatever, because there was still a lot of that in the country, even even when we were touring uh, 20 years ago. I mean, at the time, we actually liked playing uh, home at the very least, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, because that was where a lot of the pressure was. It had to sound good and it had to be good and you're always a bum in your hometown and 
Uh, those fellas are back again, and that's just the way it, uh, you know. Uh, but we've come such a long way. It's because of adversity. It's what we think of ourselves that's important. For the most part, Newfoundlanders think that, well, given a trouble, given the problem, eventually, somehow, we can put the arguments down and put the shoulder to the wheel and uh, get through it together. You know, that's what we do. Growing up grounded in your culture, just like Jim said, can lead to participating in community citizenship. Now we hear from Daryl about what he's most proud of. Outside of the Great Big Sea catalog, I guess the thing that I'm most uh, proud of was, uh, it was a song that I wrote just after the Atlantic Accord was written, actually. And it went on to, uh, actually became a campaign song for Danny Williams' second campaign. And I had it written and just tucked under the bed. And uh, someone in a marketing company who was working on this campaign said, would you have any idea of what kind of a jingle might work for this? And I said, I think, it's I, think I might have it written. So we recorded the version for that, which was used for a month. But uh, uh, Chris Andrews from Shanigan and Sherry Ryan, the singer-songwriter, and Ed Cadigan. We did a show down in Logie Bay, Middle Cove, and Outer Cove, where everybody sang their own songs. And I sang that song, and Chris heard it there, which uh, Shani Canuck went on to record and has been playing for on um, DT Diddly shows across this country ever since. So I, I think I'd, I, that's the song I'm probably most proud of. Of all the things I've written, it was the one that I really agonized over for a long, long time and never stopped until it was finished. And knew when it was finished that I never had to uh, adjust another word. One thing about Newfoundland and Newfoundland songs, we need uplifting songs to compensate for the, uh, not periodic, but sometimes constant misery. <laughs> so we need something to get us through a hoo-ha and a rah, rah, rah. Without any further ado, I'm happy to present a clip from Homeboy's Home, a song about the history of the province, about where they've been and where they're going. We love what we're fighting for, home buys home. I believe the time is right. I believe we won't go wrong. Words like can't and never, they won't be around for long. There's a rediscovered spirit here of people proud and strong. Cause we know what we're fighting for. We believe in what we're fighting for. We love what we're fighting for. Home by home. Homeboy's Home has a powerful and uplifting message. It's very different to some of the traditional songs Jim and Fergus have in their repertoire. When I saw Jim and Fergus with Rum Ragged at the Rotary Arts Centre in Cornerbrook, they had a slew of traditional Newfoundland songs that really put a smile on everyone's faces, especially when Jim got up and started dancing. But they do include songs that were kind of melancholy. A general audience may not appreciate these songs as much as the fast beat jigs, but it's so important to keep these songs alive in concert. No matter the tune, it all still carries with it history and knowledge that shouldn't be lost. Jim and Fergus are dedicated to combating that Newfoundland stereotype and restoring interest in Newfoundland history and heritage through their Art Smarts program. It goes above and beyond merely playing and teaching traditional Newfoundland folk music. Jim and Fergus have what they have referred to as a community repertoire, which is a collection of music and songs from all different regions of the province. They tailor their classes to the geographies and histories of the places they're in so the school kids can learn songs from their own communities 
and discover what and how their parents and grandparents grew up. The way we choose songs in the schools, for example, or for any audience, really, that, that, that we're, I mean, we put a lot of thought into it. We, we have a few battles over it <laughs> sometimes as well. Uh, but especially when we're in, in, in the schools and when we're playing in different regions of the province, the fact is, I mean, we are artists who have a, a repertoire altogether that represents all parts of the province. I mean, we have songs, stories, tunes, etc., that come from all parts of the province. So whatever, whatever part of the province we're in, we actually try to sort of concentrate at least partly, perhaps even, you know, more than partly sometimes, on the material from that region. Say, for example, we sing a, a children's song in the school. I, I think it's more the passion and the love and the belief that we express through singing these songs that brings the people to the music and then they will, as Jim says, go and explore beyond. And, you know, they might end up exploring all sorts of folk music or also, you know, even go back to exploring English folk songs or Irish folk songs or whatever. Throughout this episode, we have heard about our guests' relationship with traditional folk music, what it means to them and how it has influenced their musical careers. All three have shared stories from their childhood, draped in an era of culture, heritage, and music. Now, let's hear some final words that really represent what we've heard today from Jim and Fergus. Be aware of who you are, be proud of who you are, and find out why you are who you are. And the way to do that is to not just look back. I mean, you're also looking ahead to what your own aspirations are, because that's also part of that. But uh, look back and, uh, you know, don't dismiss all the things that have happened before you that, uh, that has enabled you to get to where you are today. I mean, you know, no one ever really accomplishes anything without standing on the shoulders of the giants who went before us. Nobody needs to reinvent the wheel, right? It's already been done. So don't be afraid to look back and learn from a lot of the people who've gone, gone before you, in, whether it's in your own family, in your own community in your own province, or even look around the world. We have access to so much information, so much culture now. You know, we can learn from all of it. We, just, we don't have to be insular. Has something inspired you in this episode? Do you have a love of music? Or are you curious about family history? Whatever it is, music, culture, identity, pursue it. Get in touch with your roots. All you need is passion and practice. Don't get overwhelmed with where to start. Past generations before you have already laid the groundwork. Each of our guests today chose at some point to explore their culture, and now they've become Newfoundland knowledge holders. Daryl shares some technical tips to those who are thinking of picking up an instrument. But remember, you don't need to play an instrument or have a voice like an angel in order to be musical. So for anyone who's, you know, thinking about music, I'd suggest guitar is a difficult instrument, but maybe a, a little lap dulcimer isn't. It's the root, it's the five, and it's the octave. And it plays so easily, and there's, it's the frets are removed, so there's no way to make a mistake. Or take your six-string guitar and rip off the E string like Keith Richards and tune it to open G, and don't tune it standard like normal people. And then learn to play in open G and realize how easy that is. No matter what the instrument, it can be easy to uh, bring it to a point where you can be pretty damn content with what you're doing by yourself in your very own bedroom, just making your very own chords and, and maybe even writing your very own songs. So that's my advice. Get out there and do it.
Finally, let's hear from our fabulous co-host, Sarah, and what she's learned from this episode. Talking with Jim, Fergus, and Daryl has made me rethink what it means for a community to be thriving and sustainable. A community that sustains itself across generations owes much to the culture, history, and heritage of the community, place, and people. Music is a source of knowledge and has powerful oral storytelling capacity that forms the social fabric of communities, becoming something to bond over and express identity together. The dreary Newfoundland songs reflect stories of overcoming adversity, whether it be against the elements or surviving financial and political instability in the province, and such adversity meant strong community bonds to survive. A thriving community is nothing without a community of cooperation, and as we learned here, music was that special piece that made generations of Newfoundlanders thrive through all types of adversities. Sustainability owes much to music and culture. Thanks for joining us. Coastal Connections is a production of Coastal Roots Radio through partnership with the University of Guelph and Memorial University of Newfoundland Grenfell Campus. To connect with the people you've heard from on this podcast, check out the show notes or connect with us online through Twitter at Resilience Rural or at Coastal underscore Roots. Coastal Roots Radio is funded by the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada the Environmental Policy Institute at Grenfell Campus, and the Rural Resilience Research Group, led by Dr. Kelly Vaughan. Our next few episodes are about Ed Wapdemunk, also known as Two-Eyed Seeing. We seek out some guests who can help us learn more about this worldview.